This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. How well-versed do you think you are in the art of conversation? Now, a lot of us would say this might be a lost art, especially when we think about what happened during the pandemic and that we had so many personal connections diminished or maybe lost. Have we forgotten how to talk to each other? How do we get here? How do you make things better? Well, Dr. Paula Morantz-Cohen is with us now, a distinguished professor of English at Drexel University and the author of Talking Cure, an essay on the power of conversation. Dr. Cohen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So, I'm do glad you th- to be here. Well, do you think we've lost the art of conversation? Um, I don't know if we've lost it. I think it's there in all of us. It's something we crave, but we need to practice it. Conversation, like other skills, really requires doing. And unfortunately, I don't think there are as many occasions now in our society to do it. Okay, when you say practice it, in what way? How do we do that? Well, we find people to talk to, and I think there are so many occasions in life uh, to talk to people. I mean, the idea of talking to other people as opposed to talking to people who are are like you or who you know very well. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, and actually, you know, I, that's a good place to practice. But I think that the idea of talking to people who are different um, is one of the ways in which we can uh, – heal some of the differences that exist in our society now where people seem to be quite antagonistic to each other if they don't share the same uh, background or ideological position or whatever. And I think if we can just force ourselves to to talk, whether it's on a supermarket line or, um, you know, when, when we're uh, at at our places of business with people that we might not normally talk to, that's a beginning. And it's amazing how replenishing that can be. That is so true. What do you think happened, though, to get it like this? Is it a social media thing where I feel like on social media we spend an awful lot of time, you know, looking and talking to people who think it, it feeds us people who think like us. Therefore, exactly. we're in silos. Yeah. Yeah, I think social media, first of all, the idea that we're going to uh, get what we need more quickly and more easily on social media than we will in the world, in the real face-to-face world, so to speak, is part of it. And then, of course, social media with its algorithms and so forth keeps on feeding us uh, material that reinforces what we already think. And life is complicated and nuanced, and it's much better, I think, when you when you are face-to-face with somebody, you recognize that even if they seem to think the same thing that you do, once you probe and talk, you realize they're a different person and they're coming at it from a different perspective. You can't really get that very easily on social media. And do you think when we're talking about, you know, discussing things with someone or having a conversation with someone that maybe we don't necessarily agree with, or as you put it, somebody we wouldn't normally do that, what lessons can we get from that? What can, how can we benefit from that? Well, I think it makes us more empathetic, um, which is something we all need if we're going to function as citizens, 
in a society, uh, we need to understand that not everyone's perspective is the same as ours and have a sense that they're coming from a different place. And so their views about life may be different, but they're still human beings and we can enjoy them and learn from them and they from us if we engage with them in a civil way. Um, Obviously, if we argue and are uh, angry, that's just going to drive the divisions further. But conversation, when it's done right, is not angry. It can be passionate, but um, it it recognizes the humanity of the other person. Where does it go wrong, then, when you say when it's done wrong? What's gone wrong? I think what happens when it goes wrong is that we want to win an argument, for example. And um, then we start getting angry at the other person for not acquiescing to our point of view. And I think uh, approaching a conversation as an argument is really a a bad recipe because, um, you know, you're rarely going to change someone's mind. At least you're not going to change it in the moment. I think by engaging in ongoing goodwill conversation with people, gradually they incorporate some of your ideas into into theirs and you do theirs into yours. But I don't think that um, you're going to suddenly win. And this whole idea of winning and losing is, is not healthy. Oh my goodness. I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head because I feel like that's what people are doing. Every conversation they're having, they feel like they need to change someone's mind. But why? Why do we need to change somebody's mind? Why can't we just talk to people? Exactly. Why do we need to change other people's minds? And I think it is a matter of just coming into the conversation differently and thinking, I'm going to enjoy this person as a person. I'm not going to judge them by their ideas. Um, you know, obviously we want to, we want to find out what they think about things, but not, not judge them and not make that the criterion on which we base our relationship or our conversation. Right. Is it about avoiding topics? I know that's something that people do too. They say, oh, don't talk politics, you know, at the dinner table, because that's just going to be a recipe for disaster. (laughs) Sometimes I think it is. I mean, sometimes you just don't only have so much time. And, but I do think that if you want to deepen a relationship with somebody, you have to touch on some of those topics, but you have to do so with a great deal of empathy. As I say, not trying to change the mind, but saying something like, I really want to understand why you think that, as opposed to how could you, how could you possibly think that? (laughs) Um, I think there's a a very (laughs) different way in which that person will respond if you show genuine interest in why they came to that conclusion. You're so right. Just the way you phrase that, right? That is the exact difference there. Do you believe in the ability of agreeing to disagree? Yes, I do. I mean, I've had friends over the years where I know that on on certain topics, we are always going to disagree, but I love them dearly. And so I I don't want to give up that friendship because we have these areas of disagreement and we will touch on those areas occasionally and it can be invigorating to to discuss them. And as I say, I, I feel that sometimes some aspects of myself do change when I hear why they think that. I mean, I have a friend who passed away a few years ago who was had very different political views from me, but we talked so much that now when I hear something in the news and I have my reflexive response, I think, what would he think? And it does soften or change or complicate how I see it. It's like looking for the humanity in people. Exactly. And, you know, we're all human. We're all mortal. And I think if we take that large perspective, um, that may help us not get so angry. 
and so, you know, divisive with respect to other people. It's hard though, isn't it? Because even the examples that we have out there in public, Dr. Cohen, aren't always great ones. I was thinking about politicians who they seem to wear it as a badge of honor these days when they can, you know, dunk on people, when they can, you know, be nasty towards people or ignore other people rather than trying to reach out. There doesn't seem to be a reward for them for reaching out. I agree. Our role models are not particularly good, and that has to do with the media to some extent. Not you. Not right now. Not right now. Yeah, not now. Sure. Um, But I I do think, you know, as a professor, I – my, I have a chapter in my book about the seminar and how important it is for students if, in college or in high school to be in situations um, under good teachers talking together because that becomes a model that they can use when they go out into the world. I don't think our politicians are, are necessarily models. They look like they sometimes are in conversation, but it's very performative. But when we're in a, in a good class and we're talking freely with a good teacher uh, who's sort of orchestrating it, I think it can be uh, a lesson in how to do it with others after, after word. Hmm. I like this. Dr. Cohen, give us a little advice. If we want to put this into place today, what should we do? Um, I guess maybe sit down with somebody that you've disagreed with or that you have not spoken with and say, how about a cup of coffee? And then truly listen and try and make it into a, a an exchange rather than an argument um, and do it with the idea of empathy being uh, at the fore as opposed to annoyance right. or anger. My feeling is always there's something that you agree on. Right. It might be a TV show or a book that you've read or there's something. (laughs) Maybe you both visited a place that you both like, but talk long enough and there's going to be something that you agree on. Exactly. And there there always is. And it's a matter of probing. And you'd be surprised how much finding that element can bring you together. And then it becomes something you can build on. It's like a germ, you know, that can, can sprout. So I would say, yes, I tell students when they go home for Thanksgiving, for example, the beginning of the, the term, talk to that uncle or that person at the table that normally you would avoid. Um, oh. And I get very interesting papers on that. That's a great assignment. I'm going to remember that. Yes. Dr. Dr. Cohen, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Well, thank you. This has been a delightful. A lovely conversation. It was. Thank you. That's Dr. Paula Morantz-Cohen. Uh, Dr. Cohen's a distinguished professor of English at Drexel University and the author of Talking Cure, an essay on the power of conversation. I think there's great lessons in there for all of us. For-